So we're carrying on with the series on family, foundations, finances, and ah, food. Yeah, yeah, future. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. And obviously, Julian Adams is going to be speaking next week, which is going to be a powerful time. Come expectant. Come expecting for God to move in your own life. Come just prayed up ready. Because I feel like it's, there's, there's always a shift that happens when prophetic voices come into the church. They help build the church. He's an incredible man. We love him. We've been trying to get him in for many years. And it's going to be really powerful. But today, I'm talking on generosity. And, um, and for those of you who haven't been to church in a while, yes, today's a finance talk. Okay, and you're probably like, the last time I came to church, you were talking on finances. I'm like, maybe then God's trying to tell you something. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of starting at a really base level, not talking too much around the specifics, because we will get to that. But I'm going to be talking about what it means to be a generous person, or the title that I have is, Am I Generous? Can we say that together? Yes. Only you can answer that. And uh, I want to be more generous. I would say that... At times I, I have been, I, I, we live with generous spirits and we want to be, but I want to be more. I think there's, always, there's never a limit to, to what we can give to others. And the, the Bible, not the Bible says, someone says that we can never outgive God. And I, we've seen that in our lives. The more you give, the more God just blesses you, the more he just gives you more so you can be. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed to hoard. We're blessed to give away, freely receive, freely give. So let's start in Proverbs 11:24. Out of the message, it says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. There's thousands of promises in the Bible. 7,000 to be exact. Well, not exact, but it's around 7,000. And a majority of those have got to do with generosity and giving. So it's giving of your time, treasures, talents. We, have, we become stewards of a few things. We become stewards of our times, our treasure, our talents, but also our friendships. And we, we, we are able to steward those things under God the best way we know how. So just to mention a few things. The word believe is mentioned 272 times. The word pray, which is very important, is mentioned 371 times. The word love the highest law in the kingdom of God, is mentioned 714 times. But give is mentioned 2,152 times. I failed maths, but that's a whole lot more than the other numbers. Okay. I shouldn't actually just boast about failing maths. Do you know what I will? I'll boast in my weakness because God has, despite that, done some stuff in my life. So you don't have to get... A's and maths. If you're a teenager, you have to get A's and maths, but you'll realize when you're out of school, you don't have to get A's and maths, but uh, that's, that's all good. Andrew's just like, don't listen to Dan. You can listen to everything else. Just shh. Where's Seb? He's not here today. <laughs> Rick Warren says this, if you want to see the blessing of God of, of your life, the power of God flow through your life and the anointing of God in your life, you need to build your life on these three principles, integrity, humility, and generosity. Integrity, if we don't have integrity, everything falls apart. Humility, coming in a humble spirit, coming, honoring others above yourself, coming in a way that, because do not distract me with Martin Smith. And here you have this guy who's, who travels across the world in front of thousands of people, has led, I, I, I mean, I think one of his biggest things, I think he opened for Bon Jovi and it was like 30, 40,000, it was just crazy. And uh, he's the most incredibly humble guy. And you'll probably hate me saying this, but we went, we give all of our guests honorariums and um, hate me for saying this, but he, 
we, I went to go give him and, and he's like, I wasn't expecting anything. I don't need anything. I, I just came to bless you guys. Of course, we insisted and we did give it because it's our honor and we bless because we give. But how amazing is that heart? It's, it's, there's this heart of humility that some people are wanting that, but they're not seeing the background of just this man who's just humble before God. And then the final thing is generosity. And that's what we're going to talk on today. So I'm going to be reading out of John 12, 1 to 8, out of the Passion Translation. So you won't be able to follow in your NIV. But let's, let's pray before we read the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it changes us, molds us. I pray that this morning, Lord God, your word would go out and would would mold and change and shift people's hearts. I pray, Lord God, that this morning that there would be a breaking of any form of poverty spirit over our lives, any form of withholding spirit over our lives. Lord God, and any anyone who's been struggling with, um, they almost feel like they have this lineage of of like poverty in their family. And that, that Father, this morning as your word comes, it's going to shine light and it's going to bring a wholeness, healing, and it's going to be a breaking off of stuff of the past. In Jesus' name. Amen. God says in his word that we tell of God's work from one generation to another. And when I talk about generosity and giving, it's just God's testimony that we're giving one generation to another. And we keep sharing it on and sharing it on. It shows who he is. It shows that he's a good father that loves us. That, one, that provides for us, that wants to break any form of, of poverty over our lives because God is a God that wants us to walk into the fullness of things. And if we've got things that are like money is always an issue, then money will always be an issue and you won't be able to step into the more that God has for you. So I'm really trusting that God wants to bring freedom this morning, not in a prosperity gospel message. That's, this is the, the opposite of what I'm preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that there is stuff that we need to understand from Scripture that if we are extravagant in our hearts towards Him and Him alone, giving ourselves to Him first, we'll see God just move on our behalf. So let's read out of the Passion Translation. It says, Six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where He raised Lazarus from the dead. They had prepared a supper for Jesus. Martha served, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Those are siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are our siblings that we see throughout the Gospels. And uh, I love what the NIV says. It says, we, it, there was a dinner given in Jesus' honor. The amazing thing is that the other Gospels speak about this place where they're having the dinner is that it was the, the, the house of Simon the leper. So here you have at this party, there was probably some, some prostitutes, which Jesus always had the, the sinners of sinners always hang out with him. The tax collectors, it was probably for tax collectors. There was, there was Simon the leper who by default would have been an ex-leper because wherever Jesus saw lepers, he healed them. So it was just, he, was, he had been healed of leprosy. You had Simon the leper. You had Lazarus who was raised from the dead. Let's just pause there for a second. Lazarus who was raised from the dead. And not just like I was dead for two minutes. I don't know if you guys saw that, uh, that video in South Africa, that res- which is like, oh man, so sad when stuff, stuff happens like that. But it is what it is. And um, this legitimately happened. L- Lazarus was in the tomb for three days. Jesus came, didn't even rush over to Lazarus. The amazing thing is that Martha and Mary were probably offended at Jesus because he didn't come directly as they called him. Jesus, don't worry. 
I am the resurrection and the life. And as he steps into the situation, Lazarus, Lazarus was raised from the dead. And, um, and the life of God is flowing. Can you imagine the dinner conversation? They say this is about two months after it happened. Like, can you imagine talking to Lazarus? What is it like to be dead? What, like, what did you smell like when you came out of the tomb? Like, it, it was just like there's these conversations. Like, what, what did you experience? Did you have this kind of, did you go to heaven? I mean, that would have been an amazing party to be. You've got someone who's healed of leprosy, which was almost like the, the AIDS of the day. And it was, he was radically healed. You have all these people that are buying down their hearts towards Jesus and grateful to him. And for me, the picture there is, is that we are all lepers and we are all Lazaruses. We are all those who've been cleansed. Who, the, the lepers used to be put in another colony and rejected. Where Jesus comes as he heals them and he brings them into society. Lazarus was dead but is now alive. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions but now we are alive in Christ Jesus. We get to sit at the table with God. That's an amazing, amazing picture. Number three, Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume. The purest extract of nard. She anointed Jesus' feet. She wiped them with a dry, sorry, she wiped them dry with her long hair, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. Judas, but Judas the locksmith, which is the guy who holds the purse of Jesus' ministry money. Simon's son, the betrayer, spoke up and said, They want to clarify who this dude was. That he was Simon's son, that he was the betrayer, and that he stole money. Uh, what a waste. We could have sold this perfume for a fortune and given the money to the poor. In fact, Judas had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief and in charge of the money case. He would steal money whenever he wanted from the funds given to support Jesus' ministry. Let's just pause there. If you're stealing money from Jesus' ministry that's meant to support him, it's not going to go well with you. It's like eventually that thing's going to catch up with you. The thing that also struck me is that Jesus was okay with having someone who he knew the thoughts that was going to ultimately betray him. He was okay with having him on his team. God, Jesus is unbelievable. He could have addressed it at any time, but he knew that there was a God, he was listening to God. And at some point there's going to be a judgment for what Judas had got himself involved in. So it says that she was carrying a box of perfume. And this, this nod is from the roots of a tree that can only be found in the Himalayas, Nepal, and India. So can we put that photo up, Jenny? Or if it is Jenny. So it's around that area. I've just put it Kathmandu, kind of northern India. That's where the trees are grown, at the foot of the Himalayas. Now, that is far even on today's terms. I don't know if any of you have been to Kathmandu. It's a four-hour flight. Then you have to go up to Everest, which is another few hours. It's, it's a big mission. That's where the, the, these plants grew. If you think back in the day, they would have had to travel 5,961 kilometers, and it probably would have been more because they wouldn't have done it in a straight line because the Silk Route was actually very kind of squiggly. It actually went up near Turkmenistan and kind of back down again. It would have taken them months. Can you imagine this oil that had been extracted from this special tree at the foot of the Himalayas now has, has been bought, and this lady goes and she takes a whole year's salary. Let's think about that. You can take that off, Jenny. Thanks. A whole year's salary, 50, 60, 100, 200,000, I don't know, what you, whatever you earn. Just imagine that, taking your monthly salary, you, you times it by 12, because that equals a year, so maths. And, um, and you, you go and buy something so incredibly expensive and you pour it at the feet of Jesus. Not only did she do that, she was a Jewish woman who took off 
her, cover, her hair covering. Even today, the Jewish women, they cover their hair or they put a wig on because they cannot expose their hair. These are the ultra-Orthodox Jews. And she comes into Jesus' presence. She pours it on her feet and in the other Gospels on her head and she begins to wipe, her, wipe Jesus with her, with her hair. She didn't care about the cultural norms. There was this radicalness inside of her heart. She says, this is the Savior of all. This person rose, rose my brother from the dead. This person has given us a new lease on life. He is the Son of God. I'm going to pour out everything upon him. That is radical generosity. I often think about with, with Judas in this moment is that when did Judas become Judas? When was, I know that there's the, the preordained move of God and, and all of that, but there was a moment where something entered into Judas' heart and I believe is that he fell in love with money first and not, not with Jesus first. Is that his focus became money and then eventually that he sold Jesus and he had betrayed Jesus with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver, if I'm correct. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It doesn't say that money is evil. Money is a tool. Money is part of the, the, king, the, the world that we live in that, that God uses as a tool. But the love of money, it says, is the root of all kinds of evil. Rick Warren says, If you love money, you use people. But if you love people, then money is a tool. If you love money, then you use people. Let's think of sex trafficking. It's all about the money. It's not about the person. They shove a bunch of girls into containers and they ship them across the earth. Some of them don't even make it to the other side. It's because they've been so blinded by the love of money. Judas was so blinded by the love of money that he would betray the Son of God. And that's that's the, the amazing thing. It's quite sobering, actually. Verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to Judas, Leave her alone. She has saved it for, for the time of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. That's amazing that Jesus had this, this perfume poured over him that when he was uh, on the cross or when he was being beaten by the Roman guards or when he was being paraded and spat upon as he, as he walked up the, the, as they call the Via Dolorosa up to, up to Calvary, there would have been the scent of the smell of, of this incredible perfume that was reserved for kings. And he had it on his body. Because it was oil. I don't know if you have oil on your body. It doesn't disappear very quickly. And he had this incredible scent as, as he went up to the cross and died on the cross for us. Incredible, incredible picture what this is all saying. So I want to just, I've got three quick points. Number one, the enemy of generosity. You can write that down. And the easy answer is that, what is it? It's selfishness. Self-centeredness, it's self-focus, and we live in a world of that. Where that's just that is what is governing our world. And I think if we just learn to live with in the opposite spirit, come in, in the opposite way. You know, on an aeroplane, this and just just this is great on the inside of me, and I need some healing around it. But we land, and the moment we land, there's always the first two, three people that stand up, and they just they want to like stake their claim in that aisle, you know? And they're taking their bags. I'm like, dude, I just want to get my bag. And he's like, and then son, you always get the one guy that walks from 49D that has to come. And I'm like, I've specifically chosen 23 because I know that it's on the aisle, and I know it's near the front. And I went early, and I checked him, but this guy comes in, and then he stands like this next to me. I'm like, this is my space. And the, the, the root of that is selfishness. He's not thinking about the whole plane. They're thinking, I want to get off this plane. It's been a long flight. Instead of just being patient and let the business people go first. <laughs> Issues. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, 
the enemy of generosity as, as a title, as a point, Philippians 2, 3, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try and press others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. Jesus echoes this and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love yourself so you can love others. So Jesus isn't saying that. You have to love yourself well. Look after yourself so you can love others well. But don't always look for your own interests. An expression of love is giving. If I had all the money in the world and um, I would give Sala whatever she wants. She's already told me 40th birthday present, convertible. It's going to take a miracle. Okay, let's just be honest. And when, when she said she wasn't specific on the, the convertible, I'm thinking like, I wonder, I wonder how far I can push it on the edge to what kind of convertible she, that she actually wants. But the point is this. Love, uh, uh, giving is an expression of love inside of my heart. If I want to give, I'll give, start, and she, whatever she wants. And even if I tell her, now, go buy, go spoil yourself, she just comes back with like one piece of clothing. That's just who she is. But um, if you love someone and you, and you love, you, you want to give them absolutely everything inside. How do we unhinge ourselves from, from selfishness and from this way of life is that we give away. We live with open hands. Open hands, open hearts, listening to the Holy Spirit, listen to what he's saying. Be the first one to put your, your card on the table when you're going out for dinner. Do, those things matter. Pay for the person's uh, groceries behind you. Just, if we have to just live in the state of generosity, it can change a city. It can change people's hearts. It can change the perspective of who God is. Because if, if, if Christians are coming along and we just, we're penny pinches and stingy, how is that reflecting our generous Father in heaven? Money shouldn't be a worry to us as followers of Jesus. We should know that there's just an endless supply that is as you give, God will give. And he will replenish so you can give again. That's just how it works. If you don't know if that's how it works, try. Give. An incredible testimony this week. Um, and let me just get it off my WhatsApp. I'm not going to mention who it is, even though I don't think you would mind, but... He was just telling a story that he, when he, um, he joined the church and he, he, he struggled a little bit with the idea of tithing. And after about, I think it was Sejah, about six months ago, I decided to trust the Lord at his word, so I decided to tithe. And I was continually obedient in that tithe. A couple months after that tithe, when I'd received my salary, there was an extra amount of 3,000 dirhams. He says that he went back and looked in his budget. He's like, this wasn't a random amount given to me. This wasn't all this kind of thing. This was extra money is like, I can only say that this is from the hand of God. And that's an incredible testimony. I mean, I think that's how God provides. Like, I know with Stahl and I, it's like when we understand the principle first, we put God first with our money, we put God first with our lives. He does look after everything else. We can trust him. And it's just that first little step of obedience that takes. And we keep going. So the second point is the extravagance of generosity. Extravagance is that it exceeds the bounds of reason. It's just this incredible gift. How many know if Jesus, Jesus poured out his life? That, that exceeds the bound of reason. God sent his only son. The only thing that could have cost God, who owns everything in the whole universe, was his son. And he sent, it to, sent Jesus to the earth to die on the cross in our place. Amazing. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, it says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want, you to know, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, 
Just listen how this language is. In the midst of a very severe trial, the overflowing joy and the extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Sandwiched in between severe trial and extreme poverty was joy, and at the end of it was rich generosity. That doesn't make sense. In this world, in this time, that statement doesn't make sense. That you can be going through a trial, you can be in extreme poverty, but as a church, we they have joy in our hearts and we're able to well up and give as we gave it says we gave up in rich generosity. That's an incredible thing that we can be as followers of Jesus. We can have the calm in the storm. If we if we understand the principle first, the principle of putting God first in our lives, there'll be moments where it's all rough all around us. There's severe trials on one side, extreme poverty on the other, but we can have joy in our hearts. That is a gift from heaven. Amazing. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. That is key. I said this in the first meeting, but we'll never we'll never ask you or beg you for money. That has to be an overflow of your heart. And if it's not from, the Bible says, from a joyful heart, then rather not give. Because we can enter into something as you begin to give to God and begin to give to kingdom initiatives that God just blesses, just the way it works. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And now that, for me, what I see in scripture, and there's, there's others, but there's three types of giving. And we're going to go deeper into these over the next couple of weeks. But the first is, I'm going to give the name, and then I'm going to give the two words that kind of will correlate with that. So it's, the first is tithe, and that is giving back. It's giving back to God what is already his. It's, it's understanding that he even says in his word, test me in this. And you'll, will you not see that I'll pour out life. I'll pour out abundance on you. There's, there's just reality in that. There's, there's a principle of 10th that you can see throughout scripture that started with Abraham who gave to Melchizedek. You can see that Jesus speak, speaks about in the New Testament and says, and he endorses tithing. You can, it's just, it's a principle that works, that, that even today that, that we can, I can tell you in so many people in this room that just, it just works. And we'll talk more about that later. Offerings. And the words there is giving because. I give just because. Some people might have a certain percentage what they give over and above their tithe. And it could be to a kingdom initiative. It could be to an orphanage. It could be to someone in the church who's struggling. It could be whatever it is. It's just, there's, there's an amazing thing that, that we, we just need to, once you step into this, it changes everything about your life. And now there's people in this room who live like this and they can testify to it. And we're going to get to them to come and speak in the next couple of weeks. And then the third kind of giving is extravagant giving. I shared in the first meeting, I've, I've been the recipient of extravagant giving on many levels. It was embarrassing at, at times. But I felt God was just teaching me over a season in my life that he was saying that I'm a good father and I love you and I want to take care of you. That's, we need to be people that are willing to be extravagant with our giving. And, and, I, and I said in the first meeting, as I say this now, I know that God's going to possibly test me on it. So if I don't have a car or a house next week, then you know why he's, uh, he's, he's told us. And that'll often happen. It's like you're saving a little bit of money for something. Oh, I'm going to have a holiday. And God says, that's for someone else. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. I rebuke, I rebuke that word that came from the pit of hell. And, uh, and it's not. It's, it's the Holy Spirit speaking. He, he just does gentle nudges. And he just says, do you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't need that. 
maybe you don't need that holiday. Maybe, uh, and I don't want to put stuff on you. You have to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do in a specific moment. There's extravagant giving in the Bible. 1 Chronicles 29, David gave to the building of the house of God 112 tons of gold. Marco, that is, a car is about a ton, am I right? So that's 112 cars of gold. I don't know if you guys ever try to pick up those gold bars. They used to, in South Africa, there was a thing called the Rand Easter Show. I don't know if any of you guys went to that. It was like a thing when we were growing up. But they had a competition. If you could pick up the gold bar with two fingers, then you could get the gold bar. And obviously, I think they probably like weighted the thing to, to the table or whatever. Because no one was ever, even the strongest guys were like, mm, you know. And, uh, but can you imagine a car of gold? I mean, that is so dense, so heavy. But the 112 of them, David just comes along and he goes, guys, I'm going to give my offering this week. Um, I hope your offering buckets are big enough because I'm giving 112 tons of gold, 262 tons of refined silver out of his own pocket. It's not like he went to the, the, the kind of the Israel's treasury. It's like, this is David's money. This is the King David's money. And he said, I'm going to give back to the house of God. And they say that it's the equivalent of about $20 billion. That's crazy. Let's rewind on David's life. Where did he start? The Bible says that he started worshiping in the hills when no one was watching. He worshiped Jesus alone. He looked, he fought off the lion and the bear. He was actually forgotten by his own father when they said, when they were anointing the next king of Israel. And his dad goes, oh, yeah, do you have another son? He's somewhere out in the field. Go call him, go call him, go call him. And that's, that's amazing. So David came from nothing to the point where he writes uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. And he says, who am I and what is my family that you've brought me this far? And he was able to just give out and pour out. And some of you are thinking, Dan, no matter what happens in my life, I'm never going to be able to give $20 billion. And I said in the, in the first meeting, if you had to combine this service, the next service for the next probably 20 years, we probably still wouldn't be able to come up with that kind of money. That's just like, that's just so out there, so big. But Jesus doesn't look at it like that. He doesn't look at the mount. He looks at the heart. Mark 12, 41 to 44. Let's read this together. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting the money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, puts in everything all that she had to live on. She trusted God with everything. We had a, there's a girl in our, our church, which she may or may not be here today, but came to a point where she was just struggling financially. She had no money. Someone gave her 200 dirhams. She came to church and uh, she felt God said, drop it in the offering. She's like, are you kidding me? Like this, this is 200 dirhams. I need to like give my kids lunch and put petrol in my car. Like there's just a bunch of things. I need to stretch this. God says, do it. She does it. The next, I think a few days later, or possibly even that same day, she, she got, I think, possibly about 10 times multiplied back to her. And just, she understood this thing. It's just like, do you know what, God, I trust you with everything. And within a few weeks, she had a job, and, and all of these things started to kind of fall together. It's like, do we trust God enough? That's, what, that's all it comes down to, is that do we trust our God in heaven enough? And then the final thing is the reward of generosity. 
We can talk about the sacrifice. We can talk about this stuff. But there's a reward. And uh, I, I love the, just this uh, thing, Luke 6, 38. It says, given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I always think of like a fizzy bottle, you know what I mean? Like that you shake in this bottle and then all of a sudden it, it explodes all over you. It says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Luke six thirty eight. Mark 14, 19, it says that, that the story that we read about the woman who, about Mary who poured out this, this alabaster jar full of this expensive perfume, says that all across the world this will be preached. And that was her reward. Her reward wasn't necessarily money. But where the gospel is preached, her name is mentioned as the most extravagant worship, the most extravagant giving that we can see someone do in the Bible. In 1 Kings 17, there's an incredible moment where Elijah, who is this prophet of God, just announces a, a, kind of this drought over, over Israel. And, and it's, it says that only at his word will the drought now again be broken. And God just walks him through all of this stuff. But God's, God says to Elijah, says, listen, there's this woman in this certain town that you're going to go to, and I've appointed her to feed you. So he goes to this town, finds this woman, goes up to this woman and says, listen, God, this is what God said, you're going to feed me. She goes, well, I've got barely anything left. I've got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. I was just about to make my last meal for me and my son, and then we were going to die. And I really felt this morning, sometimes we can prophesy death into our financial future and into the the, the blessing of God in our lives. We can already see the end in itself and begin to speak that over where God is calling us to speak His life, His goodness. I've seen in our lives, as we begin to speak, that God brings life and life abundantly, that we change our speech and and our circumstances begin to change. Here you had this woman. So the story goes is that she actually obeyed Elijah. And then in 1 Kings 17, 5, it says she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family, more than enough. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Incredible. She she obviously had incredible doubts. She's prophesying almost a death over her own life and her family. But here comes Elijah, this man of God, and says, listen, do this thing like Let's let's obey God together and you're going to see the abundance of God. And we see it. Incredible. Rick Warren, we all know who he is, wrote Purpose Driven Life. And this is his thing. And we can never put this on anyone else because this is his conviction under God. But it was just an incredible picture. Uh, And he started um, tithing 10% when they first got married. Even when when he didn't have a job, she had a job, they're up to 211. And each year they're up to it by 1%. He gets to a point in his life where he writes Purpose Driven Life. And that becomes one of the greatest sellers of all time. Still one of the top sellers other than the Bible. He makes multiple, multiple millions. But by that time, he had got to the point where he was giving away 91% of his salary and living on 9%. He apparently still has the same car, lives in the same house. And that's, again, this is, this is Rick Warren. And that's, he's a freak. Okay. <laughs> but it's inspiring for me to say, She's like, God, how can I stretch myself? How can I stretch our finances, our budget, and trust you more? And get into the place where we feel that we need to trust our Father more. Like that lady who gave all that she had. She trusted God with everything. Sometimes the reward is not finances, but it's peace. It's restoration of friendships. It's, and, I, and I honestly believe sometimes we sow in a season and we want to see God come through in that season. Sometimes it takes two, three, four, five, six, ten, fifteen years 
before we see what God is actually, where we've been sowing. I almost see it as like you drop a seed in the ground. You have to wait for that seed to germinate. We can come and take that little sapling out and think, oh, wow, I've got this little bonsai. Where God in his mind was thinking this massive oak tree or cedar tree that he could come and uh, show his greatness in and through it. But we kind of, we pulled it out too early. And we have to understand that in the kingdom of God, there is like a compound interest that we don't even, that's, that doesn't make sense on, on, a, on an earthly level. So we begin to sow into him, begin to uh, put our treasure and our hope in him, begin to seek him first with every single thing in our hearts and our lives. We will always see God look after us. That is a promise from scripture that we can stand on. Incredible story, and then I'm ending. Barnabas, who was uh, an incredible apostle in the early books, in the early part of Acts, and uh, it's, it says that him and Paul were, were in Antioch together and then they were sent out. And he was the guy that actually brought through Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. And he was the guy that uh, took Paul to the apostles. And this is how his ministry started. Acts 4.36 Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the sons of, a son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He sowed a field and gained an incredible inheritance in God. It doesn't say that he got another 10 fields back. That's, that for me is like we, we're bordering on like this kind of formula that we think works. It doesn't work like that. It, it's like we sow into one area and God gives us something way greater in another area that's far beyond what we can dream or imagine. Can we stand to our feet, please? Chris, do you want to just play? If you're around, Chris Hammond, there you are. Father, we thank you that um, even as we, t- we tackle and go through this incredible subject of generosity and, and finances and all of these things in Scripture of God, that Jesus, you spoke so much about it. A lot of your ministry was talking to that heart. It's on a, it's, it's, and I, I really do pray, Lord God, that you would just, over this church, release a spirit of generosity into other people's lives. Let us be alert to what your spirit is saying in our hearts and minds that to bless people, to bless others, to, to give sacrificially, to, to sow into something much greater than ourselves, Father. I had a picture in the first meeting and I feel like it's appropriate for this meeting as well is that for some of you, it's like you, you've been doing all the right things, you've been sowing and you've, and you just never seen breakthrough in your life. You feel like there's just there's something you're like two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back. There's like this almost thing attached to your back that keeps pulling you backwards and keeps tugging you backwards. And I feel like God wants to break almost a, something of a, of a lineage or something of poverty that's been maybe even pronounced over your family. And he wants to come and cut that thing off. And it happens in a moment. Just while everyone's eyes are closed, oh, this is a, definitely a vulnerable moment. But you're saying, God, like, I think I'm doing the best I can, uh, but I'm not, I'm not seeing what we need to see. If that is you, just want to raise your hands quickly and just receive from the Father, because I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you're the one that sets us free. You're the one that brings abundance. You're the one that uh, brings wholeness, God. You break the chains. So, Father, I just speak your life over every single person who's raised their their hands right now, that there would be a breaking off in the name of Jesus. 
Father, that they, we declare that they are a new creation in you. Father, they are blessed. They carry the presence of God. Father, and I just pray that, that right now, Lord Jesus, there would be a breaking off of the old. If it's, if it's lineage stuff and family lineage stuff, God, we just declare that the blood of Jesus has washed over them. Thank you, Father. Can I say that off that, like I've had moments in my life where I've had to be quite aggressive in my prayers because I'm not seeing a breakthrough in something and I'm like, I have to just get into a closet or a bedroom, lock the door and just begin to cry to God. And I think for some of you, that's it. I can't do that for you. I wish I could just had like a little magic bottle and I just tapped you on the head and then all of a sudden things are fine. There's, there may be some principles that you need to put in place. So there's some pra- very practical things that you'll see breakthrough in. But there's also, there's this understanding that we are, in, we are there's a spiritual warfare that we're, in, we're involved in. And you can see breakthrough and stuff. So Father, I pray, Lord God, over every single person here, I pray, Lord God, that your, your presence would go with us wherever we go, that would go ahead of us, Lord Jesus. I pray over finances. I pray over those who are looking for jobs. I pray over those who are, are struggling to see breakthrough in certain areas of their life, Lord God. We speak the life of God in Jesus' name. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to bring life and that life abundantly. Zoe life. Father, we worship you. We honor you. We thank you in Jesus' name.